Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Joining us now on the line, Liz Mural, Louisiana Attorney General-elect joins Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. First, let me say, because we've not talked since the election, congratulations uh, on your uh, election. Uh, great job. Well, thank you, Newell. I appreciate that very much. So you hit the ground running. I know the governor in his transition uh, process named a committee relative to New Orleans. Obviously, uh, you've been part of that um, thought process. Uh, Recently, it was announced at the Superdome, a prosecution agreement with D.A. Jason Williams. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we're both making good on a promise to make addressing crime in New Orleans a priority and you know crime is up in some other areas of our state as well but New Orleans is very much a tourist destination and we need uh, I think you know everyone in our state and the people of New Orleans and the nation to see that we can get this under control and so that's our first priority and this is our first step in addressing it. I think a number of folks don't realize I do. Someone asked me about it. Part of the frustration when agencies come into other jurisdictions is the coordination with a number of local agencies that they typically uh, aren't involved in. Do you think this will help streamline this uh, process as it relates to prosecution and put a heightened priority on the arrest made by the Louisiana State Police? You know, I think that uh, we need boots on the ground, and that's what the state police presence will provide. In, in terms of prosecuting crime, we've got to move cases. And, you know, we know that there are a number of pieces uh, to that problem. Some of it is a COVID backlog. Some of it is, a, is, is glue in the court system that I think needs to be addressed. And I'm, I'm going to find out pretty quickly, you know, which parts of that problem I face, and I've had discussions with Jason about, you know, the challenges that he faces in prosecuting crime in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I expect that if we encounter those problems, then I intend to address them as aggressively as I can, because it's not acceptable to me to just blame the system and say, well, you know, we've got people setting low bail or we can't get a case scheduled or this or that, whatever it is, we need to fix it. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Liz, if you don't mind. I have said on this show many, many times that when we are human capital challenged, you know, as you just said, boots on the ground matter, when you don't have that, you it really highlights that the 
everybody in the criminal justice system has to be clicking on all cylinders in order to make up for the lack of that human capital, the lack of arrest, the lack of response time, so that when you do make an arrest, an arrest, a meaningful arrest, that you have a meaningful outcome. Well, and I think that, you know, I have long criticized the consent decree uh, that restricts the ability of the New Orleans Police Department to recruit. And that decree has over 700 subsections in it. It's never been narrowed, not a single bit. And that is contrary to both federal law and good public policy. We should be working toward narrowing the constraints on the police department and recognizing the progress that they've made. Uh, But we haven't seen that happen, and I think that continues to hamstring hiring and recruiting. You can go to work nearby in a different parish and not have to face the same restrictions that you face working for the New Orleans Police Department. Is this uh, relationship with D.A. Jason Williams and this collaborative effort, is this indicative of uh, the governor's desire to create a new troop in in New Orleans, maybe in the French Quarter? Have there been conversations about that? Well, I mean, I think there have been, the the state police have been operational in New Orleans in the past. Uh, I think the governor plans to bring them back and put them in, strategically place the state police where they need to be. I'm sure they will be on the highways. Um, I'm not sure exactly where else he wants to put them. That's not my part of uh, of this arrangement. But, you know, it is what, what is part of my role is to prosecute the cases that are being made by the state police when they make arrests. And I think that is intended to both take some of the weight off of Jason Williams um, so that he can continue to prosecute the crimes that are made by the police department uh, and and enforce those crimes and move through the backlog that he already faces without overloading him with even more cases. But we also have to address the court system so we can get these cases to move through the system. Yeah, no doubt about that for sure. Uh, at the same time, um, you guys announced the hiring of a law firm uh, to review um, the state police, uh, more specifically, a case that's being looked at by the Department of Justice relative to a pattern or practice inquiry of the Louisiana State Police. Uh, what is the purpose and the scope of that engagement? You know, I think that we believe that the best way to figure out what's going on is to do a top-to-bottom review, um, have some arm's length, which which my agency will provide, um, we're working with a professional who is uh, a lawyer out of Wil- from Wilmer Hale, Ed O'Callahan, who has lengthy experience working with cities who are facing federal Department of Justice investigations. Um, this is going to be a this is not going to be a fast process, but it is going to be a thorough process. And I think that the you know we would like to to get some recognition of the changes that have been implemented at state police over the last four years um, and take a good hard look at what uh, the DOJ actually wants to focus on. I, I do not believe in consent decrees. I think they pervert the proper functioning of our system. And I believe that we ought to be able to make the changes that are necessary 
and get credit for the improvements and changes that we've already made and not be forced into some kind of federal consent decree. And But there's a process, and we're going to participate in good faith in that process alongside DOJ, federal DOJ, while we examine what's, what the, the you know long-term patterns and practices and policies are at LSP. Would it be safe to say that there's a fear of a potential request for a consent decree as a, as a result of this federal pat, pattern and practice investigation in, in a number of cases that uh, tends to be the um, the outgrowth of these types of investigations well every time the department of justice has come in they have pressed for some kind of continuing not just at lsp i mean i don't know what they've asked for at LSP, frankly, because I haven't been part of it up until now. But I have been part of it at the Department of Corrections and in some other um, forums, and it is virtually always the approach of the federal government, Department of Justice, that they come in and they want us to agree to some kind of long-term oversight by a federal judge, and I believe that is a mistake. Yeah. Um are you guys familiar with collaborative reformation? It was done with the Las Vegas Police Department. I've had a number of uh, chiefs over my years uh, ask my advice about consent decrees, and I said I think the collaborative reformation path is a much better path where you're not really under the auspices of a federal judge. It's more of the federal government and the agency being looked upon working together uh, to get through right. basically the same issues. It's <laughs> just right. not being I mean, summoned that's a more productive process, day. right? I mean, yeah. you, if you look at the Orleans one as an example, New Orleans has spent, oh, I don't know, almost $15 million now since the original decree was signed, and not a single, single provision in it has the, – the city hasn't been relieved of a single provision. Now, I, I do not believe that the city – has failed to comply with every single provision in that decree. There ought to be some ways to narrow it. And that's the path that it should have been on always toward moving responsibility and accountability back to the political actors where it typically lies. But these these consent decrees get bureaucratized. And there are people making a lot of money off of them. And the court monitor has made almost $15 million off of that one alone. And so I, that's why I say I think it's a mistake. I think a collaborative process to get meaningful improvements in the agency is a productive process. Yeah, it, it almost is it's though they, they look upon these as though these offices are devoid of, 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 of uh, political elections. You have different mindsets that come in, leadership changes. I mean, it, the, the city's been in there as what, in excess of 10 years, if not 15 years uh, now. You probably had two, maybe three leaders uh, under this consent decree having a complete and total different viewpoint ideology on a whole number of issues uh, that impact uh, hiring, hiring practices, um, you know, what you're looking for in a candidate or otherwise. It's really hard to come out from under something like this because you, the, the organization is, is dynamic. It's not static. <laughs> it's changing and every it's day, right? And it's not supposed to be. I mean, that's right. what political change is intended 
you know, to provide as change. And, and, and the voters are voting for a change in leadership for policies that someone has campaigned upon. And, but when you are stuck in a consent decree, you lose all of that. It is now being driven entirely by a federal judge and a federal court monitor and a bureaucracy that builds up around that. And that's what I think is problematic with these decrees. You know, they, they should be, and I think under federal law, they are intended to be temporary so that political accountability is placed back in the hands of the elected people. And the voters, right? And the, Yeah, the voters. So, Liz, I know that this was kind of New Orleans focus uh, as it relates to your office. Um, I know that, you, you know, you come from the inside. I had a very similar experience. It's not that uh, the way that I wanted to do it was better. It was just different from my predecessor. Is that kind of your same approach? Yeah, you know, we have I've been with Jeff for eight years, and he's made some important policy changes in our office that I think have really dramatically improved the way the Department of Justice, um, the State Department of Justice operates, I'd like to take us to the next level. Um, You know, my background, I taught at the law school. I have um, mentored a lot of young lawyers. I certainly have a lot of practice experience myself all the way up through the United States Supreme Court. Um, So I expect to set a tone of of professionalism and um, high expectations for our whole agency and I'm looking forward to kind of getting in and seeing how I can put my stamp on the office. Obviously, uh, a lot of what y'all are taking on, you and I had this discussion before while you were a candidate for the office of the law enforcement side of the office not being um, large by any stretch of the imagination. Is that something that you think is going to have to grow in under your administration? Well, I do think it's going to have to grow. I think it needs to grow to be able to provide the support to the district attorneys that I've I've heard them asking for. Um, that's a collaborative relationship as well. Um, I don't work in in uh, I am working with the DAs, not in conflict or in competition with the DAs. Right. You know, we take their recusals for the most part and sometimes we just we assist them upon their request and i've built a practice of doing a lot of work on the appellate side with the da's where i think we can provide a lot of value to all the da's and the state through our office Um, but i do think that that is going to have to grow it certainly is going to have to grow for us to um temporarily at least to address the the new collaborative with uh new orleans because it is fair to say um, you know, I spent 40 years in, in this business, and I thought looking at it today on the outside looking in, the complexity uh, from 40 years ago it seems to be almost tenfold uh, as it relates to all of the, the factors that, that are having to be handled. As much as they are alike, they're not alike. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a there's a, a, a great deal of difference in the nature of some of the criminal activity that we see. I mean, we see an enormous amount of criminal activity centered around the Internet, um, whether it's scams or it's exploitation of children, um, you know, pornography. All of these are crimes that I think, you know, 20 years ago we did not have the same 
degree of criminal activity. We didn't have the same degree of connectivity. You know, all of that has made the job very, very different. And I think that's one of the areas that I want to take a real hard look at um, to see how we can expand in ways that will support in our investigations division, for example, to be able to support law enforcement around the state. I'm curious. I, I had a conversation the other day, um, just, you know, coffee table talk, and we were talking about the, the juvenile crime crisis. And, and I said then, and I would say to you this morning, that I think your office could play an incredibly important role in in having truly a juvenile system within the state of Louisiana, because it seems to me that we're anything but a system. I happened to read an article from um, the Minneapolis Star Tribune just this morning where they're, they're having some of the same considerations there because juveniles are committing more serious crimes. They don't know what to do with it. The system's not set up to address it. And it seems as though a number of states, very similar to our experience here, they're at a loss. They're not sure which path to take. Well, you know, it's true. And when you look at some of the crimes that they're committing, these are crimes. They are, you know, very, very serious crimes. And but for the, the, the difference of a few months, many, many times, that individual would be prosecuted as an adult in the adult system. And we do have a, you know, category of crimes that where you can move the juvenile to the adult system and prosecute them as an adult. Um, I think that, you know, we've got to look at making that system a little bit easier to move people and to prosecute and to hold them in facilities where they aren't going to be a danger to other juveniles or staff in that system. Because we do have a number of younger children in the system. Um, Those children may may be eligible or subject to rehabilitation, but when you put them in a facility with 16 and 17 year olds who have committed extremely violent crimes, you are far less likely to be able to reach those younger ones. And you've made it more dangerous for everybody. No doubt. And I applaud the office for uh, deciding to prosecute those that uh, perpetrated the carjacking on D.A. Jason Williams as adults. Mm-hmm. I think it's necessary. I do too. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, congratulations on your recent election to Attorney General and look forward to talking to you in the near future. Well, thanks for having me. It's always good to be with you, Neil. Thank you, ma'am. Liz Merrill, Louisiana Attorney General-elect, folks, will be right back. Give us a shout, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. This is Newell with WWL. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona. As well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562 314 4603 for details.